0: This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys.
1: Presented by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands
0: on Seattle Sports Station. And Brooke you are. And Brooke you are. Powered
1: through the Alaska Airlines studio. Now here are your hosts, Brock Ewert and Mike Salk. Let that fire.
0: Well, we got a lot of people going to be joining us over the course of the morning. Joe Fan, thirty minutes from now and G. Scott at 8.30. Stacey Rost is going to be in at 9 o'clock, so big day. Uh, nice announcement yesterday from Wyman and Bob that the uh, John Schneider Show will be every Thursday at 4 o'clock from now until the draft in late April, so that's kind of exciting have a little bit more John Schneider on our air.
1: That's good. People need to hear more from John. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think people and people have gotten to know him over 12, 13 years in this market. I, I mean, not the way they've gotten to know Pete. Pete's kind of the face and the front man. I don't think he minds doing that. And and certainly from press conferences to our weekly show in season, I think people have a pretty good understanding of what Pete's all about. John gets what? Like two or three times a year? Yeah. At the Combine, where he goes in the Southern drawl voice usually because he's around all of a Southern buddy down don't do there. Don't go brother. Mm-hmm. And then after the draft, where he is just wired because he's been up like twenty hours a day for two weeks straight, right? And uh, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe once a training camp. So this going to be great. Going to be great for the station. Going to be great for us selfishly to be able to utilize a bunch of that awesome yeah. sound as we did a couple weeks ago when yeah, he was th- on. With sounds him. like
0: Thursday is going to be GM day here on the station with Jerry Depoto first, and then John Schneider. I know Jerry's now technically the president of baseball operations, but you get the idea. Yes. Um, and
1: kudos to Wyman. Wyman is cultivated working there for the seahawks a great relationship bob is is a pro and yeah, those guys will hammer that segment every week, and we will all pretty be cool. the beneficiaries Yeah, that's it. pretty great.
0: So um, I, this Russ story yesterday, Brock, I just want to come back to it for a few minutes. It just it seemed to strike a chord in a way that in some ways I was expecting, and yet I was still sort of surprised by it, if that makes sense. Was
1: the response in any way consensus, or was no. it just all over the map? No, I mean, I think for the most part, people were fairly, you know,
0: disgusted by what happened. But, you know, like anything on social media, there was a lot of extremism on all sides of it. Yeah. Um. So, you know, trying to judge how, quote unquote, people felt about it from social media. I, I think what was crazy is the way a sports story that involved, you know, perhaps some charitable stuff. Ended up becoming about politics and blind hatred and equally blind allegiance and loyalty. I mean, it it really was remarkable seeing some of the responses. And when a story like that gets picked up and it kind of goes well beyond your sphere Uh and you're getting people from all over the country, you know, really angry for one reason or another (laughs) and turning it into their own pet issue. Right? Where it's like, okay, now do the Democrats. And you're like, uh, all right, I, I just work in sports. Well, Trump did worse. And you're like, well, again, it's not about that. But, like, I really appreciate your thoughts here on Twitter. Thank you. Welcome to Twitter. No, I understand <laughs> that, but generally I stay out of that sphere. Yeah. If that makes sense, yeah. like I don't generally no, I post stuff, you. and it's and and it's not immediate. Like, you buying fun. Like, well, I don't care. I'm not. That's not what I do here, right? Well, Donald Trump, do nerd. Hey,
1: hey, we got almost three hours of a show. Watch your voice. I know. I know what happens. I mean, I posted
0: a fantasy football video earlier this season, and some guy responded with, "Can anybody explain to me why Mora is a thing?" That's fair. Yeah. There's, there's just
2: always eight. And I hope people. you
0: responded because of the enormous size of my fingers. Here's one of them. <laughs> yeah, <here's- laughs> anyway. As a matter of fact, here's two. Uh, no, here's one right in the middle, <laughs> just for you. Anyway, a, a couple of uh, final thoughts on the whole thing for because I thought about this throughout the day yesterday and found myself interacting with a lot of people about it. One, I think Russell Wilson absolutely needs to fire Mark Rogers. To me, this is the absolute necessity. If you were Russell Wilson, you need to fire Mark Rogers. He was supposed to be the adult in the room. This happened on his watch. He's somehow both your attorney and your agent, and he's on the board of directors. He's got his hands in too many places, and his job is supposed to be to protect his client, and he's not done that. He's already gotten paid off the big contract, so it's not like he's losing out on the money. And I understand that there's a loyalty to him. But if I'm Russ, I am firing Mark Rogers right now, today, in order to, for no other reason to have a scapegoat, but he needs to move on from Mark Rogers. I think that is an an obvious and the only answer in front of him.
1: Yeah, that is a no. That is an N-O-G-O. That is his father figure in his life. That is a relationship for decades old. That's the most trustworthy. If you want to fire somebody, fire the people on that board. Fire he's the, on the board fire the directors he's on the board fire the directors in the foundation that have their hat and wearing both hats for the for-profit and the not-for-profit there's people that will be fired or if you're going to go that direction can take that step I don't think it is going to be his father figure
0: yeah no I don't think so to me that is Mark Rogers or you're not really doing this number two he's got to figure out how to do better damage control. This isn't just going to go away and posting pictures yesterday on Twitter of him and his wife and Sean Payton and Joe Montana and the heads of companies like, you know, a a private plane company. How does that show? Yeah, no, I really understand. And I'm a man of the people, you know, just talking about how I only fly private. Like, that's just, that's a rough look right there, man. That is not, and if you read through the text
1: or the replies, every one of them is like, you're a thief, give the money back, et cetera. Like, it's just brutal. Don't you think he can make a statement? Don't you think he could do a minute video? Do something. I mean, we we have seen, we have had friends, right? People that we know that that make mistakes, and even in the social media channels, will make some pretty bad mistakes and then come out and be totally transparent and say, you know what, we missed the boat here. And I am, you know, I've got my hands in too many places and I am trying to wear too many hats. And ultimately I am the president of this foundation. It it falls on me. The buck stops with me and we've got to rectify some things here. I'm not going to take away from being the catalyst for so much good. And we have been, and we were for a decade in Seattle, a catalyst for so much good. Millions and millions and millions of dollars and millions of meals. And it was his brand. OK, and, and I know Jason Wolf said, yeah, Albertson, Safeway, they were going to they already had, had, had five million committed before Russell got a part of it. I don't care. He elevated it. He amplified it. People wanted to be a part of it because of him. Come out, Russell. And if you even want to give yourself credit, that's fine. Go ahead and do that and say you were the catalyst. I, I just but then come out and take some responsibility on the other side and to be tone deaf and to not respond at all and to put your head in sand and think, Oh, this will go away in a week. You can't do that. You got to respond. And he them. had. No, sorry. He d- sorry, here's a little. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish. No, no, no. Play it. Well, it's just since you
0: mentioned this was Jason Wolf, who uh, who did the investigation, joined us yesterday, talking about that in particular.
2: Much of what you know the Russell Wilson Foundation does in terms of saying that, oh, well, together we donated $10 million with Safeway and Albertson to Seattle Children's Hospital. And it's like, OK, well, yeah, that might be true. Um, but when you look at the tax records, it's like 800,000 from the Russell Wilson foundation. And it's 10 million from Safeway and Albertsons, And half of that money was donated before Safeway and Albertson says they even partnered with the Russell Wilson foundation. So, you know, you have this nonprofit that, that's taking credit for, for doing more than what its tax records reveal.
1: Yeah. I, I think there's absolutely some amplification, some exaggeration of that. You can't tell me what he was in this market for 10 years A lot of the goodwill and so much of the energy he did spend and, and how many visits he did make every single Tuesday. That was not lost in those relationships he forged. And he did have a catalytic, that brand had a catalytic way to it. And no one's doubting that. No one is saying that's not. But put it in the right spot, Russ. Put it in the right spot. I exaggerated
0: it. Move on. Fire Mark Rogers, who, who clearly is part of the problem as far as I'm concerned. And then finally, the third thing is he's got to have a great year. Yep. He's got to have a great year. Right now, he's tainted. He's diseased. Nobody wants to touch him. And he needs a win. He, he needs to get in shape, which, by the way, it sure looks like he did based on that picture last That's night. The
1: skinniest I have seen him in 10 years.
0: Certainly at this time of the year for absolutely. Pass on all of your other positions. Stop running 12 different companies. Run towards your strengths, like running the ball and throwing on the run. Not your weaknesses, like trying to sit in the pocket and pretend you're Drew Brees. And you can salvage this stuff. No. But but in the meantime, you know, I'm a big partner hanging out with the CEO of wheels up at a fancy restaurant at the Super Bowl. That is tone deaf, brother. What are you doing? That is such a terrible idea. Mm. And, and and certainly the responses showed that that's how people felt about it. So, yeah. uh, again, I'm embarrassed for us. I, I think this is embarrassing. I think that he has completely tainted his name, his brand, everything he has stood for over the years. And it was one thing when it was on the field and with his teammates, but now this is like the crux of who he is as a person.
1: It's just terrible. If you are the good man brand, then step up like a good man and own responsibility for the part of it that you share. Own responsibility and be a good man, Mr. Goodman Brand
2: need to know
1: 15 minutes past every hour with brock and salk
0: here's what you need to know up first Well, after two weeks of honestly what felt like somewhat muted hype to me anyway, the NFL finally ready to play its biggest game of the season. It is Super Bowl Sunday. Eagles, Chiefs, Glendale, Arizona. It's all set up and ready to go on a tee. Uh, I like the ways in which these teams are similar. I like the ways in which they're different. I think it's going to be a great, great game because of the whole styles make fights thing and. I, I don't have any specific rooting interest, but I don't necessarily despise either of these teams. So that's kind of a good thing, I guess. DK Metcalf says the Eagles are pretty good.
2: Well you got the big uh dominant receiver who can get you the to tough yards and catch the slant routes and still go up top in AJ. But I mean, then you still have to defend Devontae Smith who's on the opposite side, who's the speedster, who can, you know, run every route in the book. And also, you know, you got a great quarterback and the O line and the running back Sanders in the backfield who take take the distance as well. So uh, they just got a complete offense, a complete team, and you know it's going to be hard for uh, Kansas City to stop them, in my opinion.
1: Been hard for anybody to stop Philadelphia when Jalen Hurts has played this season, undefeated when he is under center. Gardner Minshew, remember, had some mop-up duty late in the year and. Had a couple of those losses on their ledger. Otherwise, they have been the most complete team from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. They do it in all three phases very well. They're the more physical crew. And in this matchup, just historically speaking, in this matchup for so many years, we have seen the K-Gun. Oh, the K-Gun. Yeah, good luck against a better defense. We have seen the greatest show on turf. We have seen Peyton Manning. We have seen how many times have we seen elite offenses, the undefeated Patriots. with with Randy Moss against NASCAR. And more times than not, that defensive group wins. And the defensive group that can pressure with four, like Philadelphia, like Tampa did against Mahoney the last time out in the Super Bowl, that certainly will be what my eyes will be watching. Here's the second thing you need to know. Some
0: good, some bad coming out of the NFL Honors Show last night. We'll start with the good, Geno Smith, winning comeback player of the year. Congrats to him. He deserves it. He hadn't been sick or injured or anything like that, but given where his career had gone to where it became by the end of last year, absolutely well deserved. Also, great to see DeMar Hamlin speaking. Every
1: day, I am amazed that my experiences could encourage so many others across the country and even across the world. Encourage the prey. Encourage to spread love and encourage to keep fighting no matter the circumstances.
2: Tough
0: day for the DeMar Hamlin is dead conspiracy crowd. Sorry about that, Uh, guys. It's rough. It's rough for you. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, That was the good news. Uh, Some of the bad. Well, (laughs) let's start with the fact that the Seahawks, two rookies, didn't do particularly well, at least not as well as they deserved. Ken Walker finishes second for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Tariq Woolen finishes third. For defensive rookie, I can stomach Walker, but Tariq finishing third is a joke.
1: Yeah, I can uh, I can actually kind of stomach it the other way. Hmm. Like sauce just got hot, saucy. By the yeah, end of the right. year, and it was all go, sauce. If he had
0: finished second, fine.
1: Yep. He finished third behind well, Aiden and he was Get out of here. It looked like the votes were he did no, he tie finished with third. Aiden Hutchinson, He finished but, third. Yeah, uh, and, and you know, the bummer is Ken Walker actually had more first-place votes then Garrett Wilson, the receiver, he had more in every way, every yeah. statistical reason, every statistical way. from New York. To win that That's award. Tough. Tough. And oh, by the way, the Coach of the Year was also from New York. So, Go Offensive Rookie of the Year, defense Rookie of the Year, and Brian Dable, Coach of the Year, all from the Big Apple.
0: Well, all of that was sort of a joke, but not as big a joke as uh, George Kittle singing. <laughs> keep but, going or are nah, you good, good. yeah, yeah you think you've had enough there a uh, hall of fame class announced last night as well zach thomas joe thomas demarcus ware ronde barber and darrell revis plus the veterans don Coryell, chuck howley joe klecko and ken riley
1: Here's
2: the third thing you need to know. Oh,
0: man, frustrating game for the Kraken last night, Brock. They all played the Devils early, couldn't beat the goalie. Mackenzie Blackwood was tremendous yesterday, and then just, you know, they score a goal, they immediately give one back up the other way. Then they failed to score on the five-on-three, and it just felt like that was kind of it. Like the momentum just swung New Jersey's way after that, and they ultimately lose 3-1. to
1: And in the college realm, Oklahoma, Texas do find a buyout number. And will leave the Big 12 for the SEC in July of 2024. What's that so number? 16 months away. About 100 million. 100 million. About 100 million buyout for each of those. That's what it's worth to go to the SEC a that's, year early. And that's what it'll be worth to head to the old SEC wow. a year early. And oh, by the way, before I start writing that script about Gonzaga being done and buried and not winning the West Coast Conference mm-hmm. regular season. You see what your friends from Loyola Marymount did last night? Take down St. Mary's? They took down St. Mary's in overtime. I see And now all of a sudden, they're just a game back. And Santa Clara will venture over to the kennel here later this month. So, uh, hope still alive to continue an amazing streak of conference championships alive.
0: Good stuff. All right, there you go. That is... Everything that you need to know, and we do that quarter past every hour, here on the new Brock and Salt. Do so, you so see he went over I think, I think he's a 2,000 points? Then, yeah. Yeah. Holy
1: yeah. smokes. He's yeah. been there a long time. It's,
0: uh, he takes it very seriously. <laughs> yes. He's going to go for the Jess Settles Award for the person <laughs> who was in one place the longest. That guy was at Iowa for like three, or Iowa State maybe, for like three, <laughs> three decades playing basketball in the 90s. All right um let's say a few things g scott will be here at 8 30 he's pretty fired up and has a few things that i know he wants to talk about uh stacy's gonna come join us at nine o'clock that was fun last week so i thought maybe we'd do it again uh wyman and bob their big announcement yesterday which we teased throughout the day
1: was the john schneider show yeah. every thursday afternoon pretty darn cool leading up to the draft Uh, Finally, he finally gets his mouthpiece. He's waited 13 years to have an opportunity every week to speak because you know he loves to do it. Mm -hmm. and He's actually really good at it. And Dave's got a great relationship. Bob's a total pro. And that will be great for that show. That will be great for the entire station. And, frankly, it will be great for the 12s as we build up into the draft with capital that John has never had in his pocket to play with.
0: Yeah, this this draft is somewhat unique. So that should be really cool. Uh, Every Thursday at 4 o'clock from now until, I think, draft day, right? Uh, Are they doing it on draft day? I believe so, so. John with like just an hour or two to spare before he's got the number five pick, he's going to be on the phone? Well, I might
1: have to tape that one. We'll you see. tape it? Yeah, I don't know. We'll <sighs> see. <laughs> Interesting. Do it from Dino's across the street the the,
0: four. Do it from the war room, man. Like, let's go. I want to hear from John in the war room. Get that thing on video. Let's see what's going on on there, right? Let's go big or go home. Anyway, that's going to be great. Every Thursday, 4 o'clock on Wyman and Bob, they'll talk to John Schneider from now until the draft. Joe Fan joins us next. He's got some from prop bets uh, for the Super Bowl and a whole bunch of other stuff as well. Don't go anywhere. It's Brock and Salk. Seattle Sports on 710 and the Seattle Sports Application. You're listening to Brock and Saul. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports Station. Alright, it's a formal Friday here on Brock and Saul. G. Scott's in the building. In fact, he just walked in to let us know that he'll be here an hour from now. Just in case we had forgotten that he likes to show up at 8.30 on on, Thursday, on Fridays. Excuse me. Yes, we know, G. We know you're going to be here in... Uh, Giving the people what they want at eight thirty, but of course, uh, before we do that, Brock seven thirty every Friday, we talk to our buddy Joe Fan.
2: Hello, sir. How are we doing today? Hey, good morning. I'm doing great. Happy Friday to you guys.
0: What's uh, what's our Super Bowl excitement level at right now?
2: Um, genuinely pretty high. I, I just think these are sort of the, the the class of each conference and the number one seeds in each conference, and it's sort of a a battle of two superpowers. So, you know, I think uh, I. I, I I'm uncomfortably confident in what the result is, is going to be, which means I'm going to be totally wrong. And so I guess that makes me even more kind of eager to see how it
1: plays out. Well, let's see. Salk uh, went Philly. Justin went Philly. Mora went Philly. Yours truly went Philly. Joe Fan's going? Philly,
2: yeah. I mean, I, I just think Patrick Mahomes is going to have to be superhuman to win this game. Philly's just so good in the trenches that – anything less than a hundred percent of Patrick Mahomes. And we saw how that ankle deteriorated throughout that AFC championship game against the Bengals. That's just not going to fly against the Eagles, I guess, sort of pun unintended. Um, you know, I just think there's not really a weakness except unless Jalen Hurts is going to lay an egg, which I just don't foresee. He was the runner up in the MVP voting granted it wasn't close, but you know, I think that, You know, I saw Robbie Gold had a quote yesterday. He's probably as bitter as as the Eagles stomped his Niners. But, you know, if you can make Jalen Hurts play quarterback, then you got a chance. Well, Jalen Hurts has been playing quarterback all year. They've got the better crop of skilled players. They've got the better offensive line. They've got the better defensive line. The secondary is better. Um, I just think outside of Patrick Mahomes, and, I mean, that's that's a big thing. I mean, he's the greatest quarterback in football, and betting against him isn't, you know, a a super fun uh, thing to do. But I do just – I feel – really confident it's going to be the eagles when it's all said and done
1: if you could take one seahawk or excuse me one eagle and one chief like this was an expansion draft just on that field sunday and say okay john schneider is actually going to trade this pick and trade that pick and you get any one chief or one eagle to put on the seahawks next year whom would it be on each side
2: uh, it would be Patrick Mahomes certainly. I mean, he's just he's a cheat code. The, he, the floor that he gives the Chiefs is so ri- ridiculous. I mean, he is.
0: You got to take Patrick
2: Mahomes out. Sorry, okay, I'm, take I'm Mahomes, Mahomes out. Sorry, I'm going to jump in. You got to take Mahomes out. Sorry, take take Mahomes and Hurts out. Give me give me give me Chris Jones and Deshaun yeah. Reddick. Yep, those would be my two. I think that would have been my I answer
1: go. too.
2: Yeah. I mean, can you imagine starting your defensive line with, with those two? Yeah, it'd be a pretty good pretty good life to be living.
1: That's I don't know. Jason Kelsey would be close by the way. Lewis Riddick was on with us earlier this week and I'm gonna to get to it in blue eighty eight here in a little bit, but that guy would be a a little bit of a close consideration just because of what he does to set the table for everything they do. And Lewis said he may be the greatest center to have ever played the game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he, he might at least be in consideration, but that would be a good deal. How, uh, how far? I mean, for
2: f- Seahawks fans, the Creed Humphrey thing still hurts, you know, when you yes. look at that, that guy who was sitting on the table waiting for you. So, no, I agree yep. with you. Jason Kelsey's tremendous. And that Eagles offense is just so diverse and multiple that, you know, again, it just adds to my confidence.
0: Frustrating that you could have just, you know, had Hassan Raddick any of the last two years.
1: Or Creed Humphrey.
0: Yeah. Have, right. I mean, like, all you do is just go sign the guy. Like, he was available yeah. and has, cha- you know, changed teams now a couple of times. Uh, how far from the Eagles do you think the Seahawks are?
2: I think a decent bit. Uh, I think there are still enough areas of the roster that you say, yeah, it's okay. Or, oh, it's just not good enough. Um, you know, but I think the the, the issue is that. You know, you built it for a year. How long can you sustain it? Um, and that is the the issue with any team trying to build a dynasty. And you know, it really makes what what Pete Carroll and John Schneider and the Seahawks did, in the, throughout the 2010s, that impressive because they were able to ride that wave much longer than other teams do. So, um, but I, I do think you know the, the question marks really at all three levels of the uh, of the defense. Uh, I think are significant. The questions uh, at the interior of the offensive line are significant. Uh, I think all of that puts them a, a decent a decent gap
1: between them and the Eagles. Well, it was the Eagles that were what Salk? nine and eight, yep. and bounced to a Super Bowl, right? Bounced out of the playoffs in the first round two years ago, and then they sign us on Redick, and they bring in Bradbury, and they draft well, and they develop, and they they bring in a system that totally fits their personnel. The Seahawks are nine and eight, bounced in the first round. They've got two firsts, two seconds, 36 million in cap space. Can't you also write a script that it isn't going to take K.J. Wright three years? K.J. said to us on Wednesday, about three years to build a Super Bowl contender. It doesn't have to take that long, though, does it?
2: I don't think so, but you look what the Eagles did. I mean, they hit home runs with everything. A.J. Brown, Hassan Reddick, C.J. Gardner-Johnson has been incredible. I mean, he he led the league in interceptions this year. He was a trade deadline deal guy. Or not trade deadline, like roster cut guy. Uh, Mm -hmm. Trade, you know, acquisition right before week one. And, you know, it just feels like every move they made was just a masterstroke from Howie Roseman. And I know that's going to upset Seahawks fans because they think John Schneider was snubbed of executive of the year. I, I think they... Understandably uh, frustrated by that, and he had a case, and it's kind of crazy that him and neither him or Pete have been recognized in such a fashion. But you know, yeah, I don't think it has to take three years. But but when you look at what the Eagles did, it's not trivial. You know, they hit everything, every pretty much every move out of the park.
0: Who got uh, jobbed worse, uh, Kenneth Walker or uh, Tariq Woolen?
2: I'd probably say Tariq Woolen. You know, I think if Kenneth Walker doesn't get hurt, he probably gets it. Um, I think Tariq will, especially with how lopsided the vote was, finishing third behind Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, it's just a a popularity vote at that point. It's just name recognition. It's just where you were taken in the draft. Uh, You know, while the Seahawks were way better than expected, they didn't really garner a ton of national attention. So when you've got – Sauce Gardner, I mean the nickname doesn't help either or doesn't hurt either. Mm-hmm. And then Aiden Hutchinson who went what, two overall, you're just not gonna have a chance unless your numbers unless you, you know, quite literally lead the league in interceptions by several and I mean bring I it's just I don't think it was ever a chance for Tariq Woolen. and so I would say he got job more so.
1: Aside from those two that were on the ledger, and obviously Juno wins comeback player of the year. Anything else you learned in the NFL honors show last night that would spin back to Seattle in any way?
2: Uh, Not necessarily, you know, I think it's always interesting to see who the hall of fame class is, who got in, who's, who's still waiting. Um, You know, but I think for the most part, everything, I would say my biggest surprise was, was Brian Dable beating Kyle Shanahan in the coach of the year vote Uh, again, really deserving in his first year, bringing some competence to to that organization that has just been a rudderless ship for so long Uh, making Daniel Jones look like, look like a capable quarterback um, winning a playoff game on the road, And that's very deserving. But I still thought it was going to be Kyle Shanahan, given what he did with with the guy nicknamed Mister Irrelevant. Um, you know, but other than that, I thought it was it was mostly chalky in terms of of what I sort of expected going in.
0: Uh, I know you're in Vegas, and generally uh, leading up to the Super Bowl, we hear about some of the wacky uh, prop bets, et cetera. Anything anything stand out to you as uh, fun fun props in Vegas these days?
2: I mean, you can bet on everything. There's a whole props sheet for the halftime show with Rihanna. You know oh, what? What? Oh. What color is her hair going to be? What color are her shoes going to be? What's her first song going to be? What's her last song going to be? Is it going to be over under nine and a half songs that she sings? Who's going to join her? Jay Z's the favorite there. Uh, I mean, there's so many different What's ways. What's the favorite to go for about. hair if color? If you're looking for action, you can find it. <laughs> what is the say, favorite sorry? for hair color? <laughs> You know what? I don't remember, but the favorite for song is Diamonds, okay, uh, which is understandable. That'll show up at some point, but yeah. And then you can go. This was the one I thought was fun. Um, and the MVP, who does he thank first in his speech? Is it his team or his teammates? Is it the hmm. fan? Is it is it God? Is it coaches? Um, so there's a yeah. Like wow. You can do coin toss, heads or tails. I, I assume God is the favorite anthem, there, right?
0: <laughs> is God the odds on favorite?
2: No, team and teammates are the favorite. Oh. Um, it's and tough then to I bet think, against you know, God. See, like, I think
0: I would really struggle throwing yep. my money down and going against God. Yeah, would be sacrilegious. Well,
2: I think that there's money to be made there because you can get some, some a pretty juicy number there. If you, can, <laughs> if you can find a book willing to give it to you, so <laughs> okay. I so think you, said... you can make some money on a Sunday, no less. Right. On his own day. Yeah, it's I not think, right. Uh, yeah, I think you're on to something. That doesn't feel right.
1: Yeah, you said he was in Vegas. You were concerned about the prop bets. I'm more concerned about what was the news coming out of Derek Carr's visit to New Orleans because mm. I think that's going to be the first domino when it comes to some of the market or at least understanding the possibilities of the market for Geno Smith. Any news come out of Mr. Carr's trip to New Orleans?
2: Yeah, I haven't heard anything yet. Certainly no rumblings here in Vegas. Um, and I think everyone would be sort of shocked if, if New Orleans was willing to you know, trade and you know, take on that contract, as opposed to just sort of writing it out and hoping that they release him. Um, you know, I think it's it's a lot of just relationship building at this point, sort of figuring out you know what what is there. Although they did have to, to talk and, and come to sort of a general terms of what a trade would look like before that permission was granted. Correct. Right now, they're the only team that, that has the permission to talk to him, and but they can New help. Orleans. It's just yeah. an
1: exploratory deal help me understand this there's a couple things here a couple layers to this right so dennis allen was there so he knows Derek Carr. they have background together with the raiders uh we have seen trades it doesn't just mean all of a sudden because you trade for him you have to take on all of that contract i think of Jadavion Clowney in seattle and when that trade was made and and uh who was it the the texans ate half of that contract and mm-hmm. the seahawks picked up the other half so there are ways to trade and then still work out the terms of that agreement like in baseball of how much you're going to eat of that contract so what would be best case scenario for the seahawks when it comes to geno smith geno smith wants you know call it 40 or whatever you know he wants the moon what would be best case scenario for the seahawks in that negotiation to start to set some of the market possibly for geno
2: yeah i think the best case would be either that the trade goes down and there's a restructuring to where yep. the average annual value drops significantly to where it would be you know, well below what Gino's asking for, or if the Raiders come out and, and eat most of it, where the Saints say, hey, we're going to trade for this guy. I'm give you a draft pick, but we're only going to pay him 15 a year, 20 a year, and you're going to have to eat the rest of it to where, um, you know, that can sort of be used the negotiation table of saying, hey, but yeah, Carr is still making this, but that's a previous mistake that the Raiders made of giving him this deal that is not what he's worth anymore. And the Saints are essentially saying as much, uh, you know, the worst case scenario would be, you know, them them paying full freight and trading draft picks in order to get him. Yeah. Um, you know, at that point, then Gino would look at that and say, hey, this isn't even costing you draft picks. It's just I, I just want that number. Mm-hmm. And that $40 million, um,
1: million dollar balloon payment, that guarantee that the Raiders have to make in a guarantee to Derek Carr, that comes about here, what, in the next 10 days, next week? Y- that, that's yeah. pretty soon, right?
2: It is, which I think is good news because you want these dominoes to start falling as soon as possible to where you have really a full month before the new league year begins to sort of figure it out. Um, and if you can't and he it ends up getting to the open market, you have then exhausted all of your options and you are just now hoping that you're right, that his market won't be you know, what he hopes it will be and more towards where what you're hoping to pay him. And then he can come back and you can get the deal done.
0: Everything going okay with the uh, Joe Fan Foundation? No issues there, right? You're not part of the big investigation?
2: No, no, 100% of the dollars from the Joe Fan Foundation have gone to charity. Uh, I can promise you that. No, yeah, what what a story that is. And and what I think, you know, my, I'm putting on a mail back on SeattleSports.com, you know, later this morning, and I was asked to to answer that question in my thoughts, and I'll give it here, is, you know, I, I think... I don't think there's necessarily malice or anything evil behind it, but it just kind of feels like a rich guy one oh one playbook where you certainly do some good. It helps your brand, certainly helps you win Walter Payton man of the year, which is, you know, a big thing for his legacy. Um, you know, but ultimately there's sort of some sneakiness to it where you're able to take care of your friends. You're able to get out of some, you know, you know, be kind of creative with your money that helps you in, in, you know, the area of taxes, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think overall, it's certainly not a good look. Um, you know, when, when you are who you are and your legacy and your image is what it is and how you talk about it, you know, under a quarter of every of every dollar being spent on actual charitable causes, you know, I don't care what anyone else done. There's a lot of that out there in the nonprofit world, unfortunately. I know Tom Brady had a big story about him. You know, a couple of years ago, I mean, it's, it's not uncommon, um, but still for Russ, um, it's just, yeah, it's not a good look.
1: Uh, last question uh, for me here. You, Salk, and Brady, Brady Henderson, the hitman. Okay. The, the three of you sneak out on the TPC Scottsdale mm-hmm. before the round today, and you play 16. What club you hitting, and who gets the closest two of the three of you? Oh, wow. What's the distance today?
2: Uh, I'm I'm taking Salk off the table. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would too. I golfed with I golfed with Brady recently, and I didn't see him on a good day. We're probably a, pretty close to the same guy. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'll I'll, I'll take myself wow. and what so it's about like one sixty right.
1: It varies. Um, I think you could play from one ten to one sixty. So right. let's just call it one. Yeah, that's today. Call one forty five. One forty five today. No wind. One
2: forty five. I'm going to take a smooth nine iron and yeah. throw a dart right to the middle and hope they miss the green.
1: Yeah,
2: I like that's like right. I like it. Wow,
0: well, down in Phoenix, I'll tell you what, Brock. That might be a pitching wedge the The way the ball carries down there, that, that might warm. be yeah, that might nice be a pitching wedge today, uh-huh. depending uh-huh. on uh, on the heat level. Joe, uh, enjoy. Uh, we enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy this weekend. Enjoy the waste management as well. And we'll talk to you next week.
2: Always enjoy it, fellas. Have a good weekend. We'll right. talk to you soon. You too. Thanks, there Joe. you
0: go. There's uh, Joe Fan. You can read him a couple days a week at seattlesports.com, dot com, and I recommend you do. Joe's columns are always worth your time. Uh, he got me thinking about something there, Brock. I'll come back to it right after Blue Eighty Eight.
2: This is Brock and Sog's Blue 88.
1: Blue 88! Blue 88!
2: We take you to the field as Brock Heward breaks down three football questions as only he can.
1: Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Sog.
0: All right, three good football questions for Brock. We'll start with this one. Tariq Woolen ends up third in defensive rookie of the year voting. How come?
1: Because the... The case just lost steam as the season went on. And it's what happens to elite corners. We watched it happen with Richard Sherman. We watched Richard the first couple of years of his career. One year he had eight interceptions, right? I mean, just absolutely. And he would taunt it and he would throw it in everyone's face, including Jarrell Rivas, goes in the Hall of Fame last night, more than anybody else. You know, and Rivas' like, okay, yeah, you just wait, right? You know, you just kind of wait. Because when you become elite and you become locked down, they don't look your way and you just do not get the targets and you don't get the 50 50 balls that he was getting the first half of the season. So I think, unfortunately for him, uh, it just ran out of some of that mojo, some of that national narrative, some of the lazy narrative of of people that just don't watch the Seahawks close enough and certainly not in the way they do in the big markets, not the way they do with Sauce Gardner and not the way they did with Aiden Hutchinson, who came alive. Well, Sauce and Aiden came alive the second half of the year, right? And Aiden Hutchinson sacking Aaron Rodgers and doing what he did with Detroit and turning them around and everything else. Mm So I, I think that's largely why a little bit of laziness from the voters and a little bit, unfortunately, of, of what happens, the other side of that sword, when you take the ball away as much as he did early, you're just not going to get as many bites at the apple. All right, question number two. Pun intended. Big apple. New York City. Not Eli Apple. Uh,
0: we're going to watch this game Sunday. Who's got the most on the line?
1: Quick confession. I have a sharpie addiction, a fine point sharpie addiction. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah, I know. When I see them on sale, you sniff them? Nope. No. 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 Fine point, Maura. <laughs> can't fine. smell anything. Nope. <laughs> oh, and yeah. I can't smell e- either. Nope. Nope. When I am going through the grocery aisle, or I'm at Target, or I'm somewhere, or I'm at Office Max, and they've got a sale on fine point sharpies, a hundred out of a hundred, I buy them. So I've got a new fine point sharpie. Look at, I got two cool index cards. And I'm going to tell you right now, Colin Cowherd's producer, and maybe Colin himself, is writing two scripts for one man in that Super Bowl Sunday. And it's only one man, and it's Patrick Mahomes. On one side of the script is he is on his way to chasing down the goat. Ah, ah, ah. He is now the only player in NFL history to win two MVPs and two Super Bowls his first six years. He is Superman. He is going to and have the opportunity to surpass Tom Brady. That's on one index card. The other is, oh, here he goes, long line of stars. long line of Aaron Rodgers and Drew Breeses and others that win one Super Bowl, and the dynasty's going to end, and the staff's going to be broken up, and Andy Reid is getting old, and Travis Kelsey's getting old, and, and on that other side is and you can't win the big one, and now you're 1-2 and two in the big game, and sure, you're an MVP, and sure, you got the stats, but you can't. there is only one guy playing on Sunday who has that kind of pressure where the hot takers and the producers for the hot takers already have both scripts written come Monday morning. I think that's 100% true. Question number
0: three. All right, it's just easy watching games to just follow the ball. I mean, certainly I do that, like most people do, but if you can take your eyes off of the ball, where, where should you put your eyes?
1: Yeah, you. And I don't think I've ever said this before, and if I were on this broadcast, I'd be circling Jason Kelsey a bunch. Travis Kelsey gets all the love, and he will be circled a plenty. And a tight end is doing the game from a color commentary booth. So you're going to Dallas Goddard, Gator, how do you say his name? Goddard. Goddard uh, Dallas Goddard and Travis Kelsey, because Greg Olson's doing it, rightfully so, are going to get attention. Jason Kelsey is not. And certainly not with the average fans and the hundred and some million they're going to be watching this game. You won't be watching the center unless it's an extraordinary run and he's out front or a screen. But when you can, and on occasion, just don't watch the ball, mm-hmm. watch the center for the Philadelphia Eagles. When Lewis Riddick said to us on Monday, he may be the greatest center to have ever played this game. And there've been some good ones. And there's guys in the hall of fame wearing yellow jackets who played that position But his athleticism, he truly does look like a fullback. He looks like a high school Scott Service fullback that is able to get out and move in ways that 300-pound men should not. He is aggressive. He finishes uh, in their run-pass option. He's critical. He's a communicator. That QB sneak, which inevitably is going to come up at some point. Watch how he gets his face in the ground and the flexibility he has to play it. He is a fun one to watch right in the middle of the line of scrimmage.
0: Great stuff. And, of course, we do that every single morning. It's Brock and Salk, and that is Blue88, 745, three good football questions uh, for Brock. Uh, I'm sorry. i just going back to something Joe said, and it's really kind of stuck with me now for a few minutes, is talking about how this is what rich guys do, right? And sort of this is the playbook of what rich guys do. And, you know, you sort of you do some good, but it's there really as a PR thing to sort of make yourself look good. And uh, I don't think I've ever really talked about this much. It's not, it's not really my story. It's really my wife, Heather's story. But mm-hmm. she went to grad school and, and uh, got a master's in social work in order. And she's now a, a therapist, right? She's got a private practice. But when she first got done with school, she thought what she wanted to get into was corporate social responsibility. And so she went to go work for a firm. This is like 2008, Maybe 2007, 2008. So right as sort of the economy was crashing, et cetera, Mm -hmm. she went to go work for this firm, and she thought she was there to do corporate social responsibility. And she found out pretty quickly that she was there to do PR. Mm -hmm. And she was like, well, that's not what I got into this for. Like, if I wanted to get a master's in PR, I would have done that. I wanted to work in social work. I wanted to do good things for the world and certainly getting businesses to work, you know, to do corporate socially responsible things, Mm -hmm. whether it was for the environment or the country, whatever the whatever the case may be and she was so jaded and just so disappointed in what she saw because these companies didn't care at all it was just vanity exercises for their CEOs and nope. she's like well this is stupid i don't want to do this so she nope. quit i mean she didn't work there for very long um and and thank god i mean like i totally get where she's coming from but yeah that I, it's an interesting way of looking at this i don't i don't know if that's what was happening with russell wilson but I do think that it sort of could be in the same vein.
1: Well, just that branding and that imaging. And we now have, unlike when uh, Heather started a decade and a half ago in that field, Mike, we now have a full field, a full prof- uh, profession where you're an influencer. You're a social, not a social responsibility. You're a social media influencer. Yeah. Right. I, I will never forget years ago watching um, my-, my oldest play in an AAU tournament. And I'm like, Who- what is that? Doesn't she? She goes to. Why is she wearing all of that gear? Hmm. And why is she taking pictures of herself? And why is she taking pictures of herself with all these AAU? Te- oh, oh, she's an influencer. Oh, she's just trying to grow her brand. Oh, she's trying to grow. Haley as in- was doing this, or somebody no, else? No, no, I was watching somebody else oh, do I that. I thought who, Haley was doing it. No, that. no, who she had played against in the past, and now I'm like, she's off the college. Why is she even at this AAU tournament? What What are you doing here? Oh oh, she's an influencer mm-hmm. or he's an influencer or, oh, I can use this now to go influence through all my social media challenges and I can get paid for every click. And are you going to tell me <laughs> that all of those are in the best interest or in the goodwill? Absolutely not. They're did there you, to just, you just
0: find influence. That, that reality is so hard to determine. <laughs> like, I mean, I told you when I went down to oh, like reality TV. Well, I mean, we all know, hopefully, that there's nothing real about that and that it's all there scripted isn't? and written and all that. I mean, hopefully, after 20 years of doing it, we now know that that's the case. But I, you know, I told you when I'm down in Mexico, right? And we saw all these people down by the beach every day taking these ridiculous pictures of themselves in like, you know, fancy dress at the beach and they were miserable. Like, nobody seemed happy, but that's what they did all day. And then they sent it all up on Instagram and that right. was like their life. Yeah, yes. it's it, it's so challenging to figure out what's real in this world at this point. Mm, yep. And uh, I don't know. Unfortunately for us, it seems like he's been unmasked for one of the things that seemed real about him, maybe not being quite as uh, <laughs> grounded in reality as everybody had hoped. All right. Uh, you know who had a pretty hot take yesterday on the station? Who? Is your friend Keyshawn Johnson. He came on and had some very significant, serious things to say about Geno Smith. I'm going to play him for you next. It's Brock and Salks, Yale Sports on 710.